Today we're going to look at reformation through prayer. Instantly when you hear this topic, I don't know for you, but maybe when I was in your seat back in the day when I heard reformation or I heard prayer about anything, I'd go, boring. <sighs> no, I'm the only one that felt that way. Y'all so, y'all so saved. Y'all good. Y'all real good. Because if somebody told me about to have a lesson on prayer, <laughs> I got my snooze ready. It's about to go down. It's the most sleepiest thing ever. Number one, I fall asleep in prayer. So when you talk about prayer to me. <laughs> Look at the real spiritual people, not me, Pastor. I love, I love it. I love prayer. Okay, okay, okay. Well, it's very few, very few. And those very few is probably like Mother Bell. Maybe Sister Danielle. I'm checking the room. Yeah, nah, nah to the rest of y'all. Nah, to the rest of y'all. Nah. Nobody the only two I know in this house currently that we have that get excited. Let's pray. Yes. Let's pray. What? And some of y'all I know because you would call me with a problem and I'd be like, let's pray. You'd be like, let's pray. <laughs> and I instantly feel in your in your my spirit that you just rejected the idea that this is going to be effective. You're like, yeah, Pastor, but don't you think you should tell me also some things? <laughs> <laughs> tell me some stuff <laughs> and you oblige and you pray you're like alright <laughs> y'all the only heathen out there that that got bored I mean I must admit when I had to write the sermon I thought to myself After a couple weeks off and a great sabbatical, I was looking forward to I'm about to plow, plow with some amazing reformation through the most boring topic known to mankind. <laughs> but fret not, the Lord does not want us to be bored, so he gave us. <laughs> Ain't y'all right? I knew the Lord was an otter. I knew he was. I knew he was. I knew. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start oh Jesus let's start <clears throat> let's start with a scripture that impacted my heart throughout these past couple of weeks one that I go to quite often and every single time it just baffles me I've preached it quite a lot and um, still when I hear it it just just hits my spirit let's look at Luke chapter 8 going to walk you through this idea of being reformed through prayer um, the way the Lord showed it to me in scripture but it was a, a difficult conversation because prayer for me is like breathing I mean it's just all the time anytime even now it don't even matter it just I don't even know how people such as yourselves go so many hours without praying I'd be like how how do you do this? Let alone days. Like, people literally go. Did y'all know people can go days without prayer? I mean, I'm sure it's none of you in here, but I was, I was just like, so you wake up, and then you, you do stuff, and then you ugh, go to bed. And you, and you just didn't even say, dear Lord, 
our father like the concept to me at this stage is so foreign that it is hard for me to then be able to relate to those of you who this is a reality so rather than try to do that I'm going to use scripture <laughs> I don't want to relate <laughs> I don't want to experience it I don't want to be like you <laughs> Luke chapter 8, are you there? Verse 43. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him, that him being Christ, and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who is it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him declared, in the presence of all the people, why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. The same story is told in Mark chapter 5 is one of the synoptic gospels, one of the stories that continues to be shared from different perspectives within those gospels. Uh, this, 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 this story gets me. Because anytime Christ says your faith has made you well, it always makes me go, what did they have again? It always makes me go, what, when you say your faith did it, what, what did you have? And it makes the question, well, what is faith? And then you go do studies on faith, blah, 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 blah. But instantly when I hear your faith made you well, I think you believe so much that you, you got it. You got it. And another thing about this story that, uh, this account that, that baffles me is that Jesus didn't even intend to notice or heal this woman. Like it would seem to me that in all the other miracles, the person approaches the Christ, the Christ sees their ailment. He then wills for them to be healed. They also know that he can. There's an exchange of what they know that he can do and what he is prepared to do, and shabam. In this case, the Christ is not even aware of this woman's need at this particular time, nor her presence. And like he was barely participating in the exchange of her healing, like face to face. He wasn't participating. It wasn't tell me your story. I had somebody call me the other day and they said, Pastor, I need some money. I said, oh, okay. I said, well, how much you mean? They said, blah, 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 blah. I said, ooh, mm-mm, 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 mm-mm. I guess you look at me and think, Money. No, 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 no. That's the glory of the Lord. That is not true. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay, well, I don't have that much, but this is what I do have, and I will send that to you. They said, okay, but let me tell you what I need it for. I s 
I was really prepared to just get off the phone after that. <laughs> and this exchange of a conversation, me knowing the person, it was not relevant at this time of our relationship for me to know what you needed it for. Because as soon as you said, I need, hello somebody, everything in me said, what can I do? Y'all don't want to help me today. Y'all don't want to, y'all don't want to. Now, there's some other people that will call. And they would say, Pastor, I need some money, and I'll just be real quiet. And when I'm quiet, they have to finish explaining. You know, because when there's silence, people feel like they need to talk. And I let that happen. Pastor, I need to borrow some money. Oh, I need it because, um... <laughs> How did this happen? Why did this happen? What are we gonna do to make sure it doesn't happen? And you say borrow, how do you plan on paying me back? All these conversations need to be had. There's some people you ask me for money, you gonna have to give me a story. I'm just being honest with you, hello? I need to know, especially if you've asked multiple times, I need you to come up with the sad story every single time. Don't you feel silly that you gotta keep coming up with some sad story every single time? I know you feel silly, but nevertheless, give me my sad story every single time so that you can recognize how often you're giving me this sad story every single time. Look at y'all like, she do that to me. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? I say no, and that never happens. Never. never happens. So the least you could do is muster up, hello, the sad story. But in this case, I didn't even need the sad story. I knew the person. I knew their situation. I said, they said, Pastor, I, I'm in need of some money. I said, fret not. How can I help? They said, I need this much. I said, whoa, that's way too much. This is what I have. This is what I can give you. I said, all right, I'm going to cash up it to you. I love you. Hold on. Let me tell you what. I was, oh, no, please tell me. So it is possible based off of relationship that someone could be ready to meet any need that you present. Y'all don't want to help me today. They could just be ready. When you say, I need, I say, how can I? That was the first thing out of my mouth. I passed the I'm down bad. What can I do to help? Well, I need some, some, some kind of money. Hmm. I'm here to help. This is how I help, and that's all I have. That's fine, I, I, I could work with that. Well, amen, look at how the Lord is moving. This is all I have and that is enough for you to work with that. Look at God, Autorat automatically, miracles. Just like that. So relationship with an individual, could, and this is just human beings to human beings, all right, not God the most high, could indicate that whatever it is you need, if it's within my power, I'll do it. Now, when it comes to God, he is all, he's all, he's all. So pretty much there's nothing that's not within his power. And when you show up with a need based off a relationship, he goes, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I already know. Don't even worry about it. I got you. Hello, somebody. Interesting. Nope. Yeah, very, very, very interesting. So in this case, Christ 
It's like he just left his wallet and somebody just said, thank you. And then they just kept going. And he was like, yeah, that's what it was there for. Go ahead. There you go. You, t- you, you just, you, he said, I felt power leave me. And he wasn't even mad. It wasn't like, who, oh, no, you didn't touch me and take my power without even asking. He, didn't, he wasn't even phased by it. He, he was just curious of the level of faith that somebody had to have that they did not need affirmation of their relationship with him in order to know what he intended on doing. Like, I'm just curious what kind of person knows that in themselves, whatever it is they need, they, it's like just going in the refrigerator and just get whatever you want. Like, what? I'm just curious. Like, how did you know that we was that tight? Because most of the people I've been running around with lately, they don't know if we're tight or not. Y'all don't want to help me. Okay, let's, let's, let's break it down even further. Every single person that Christ has healed, on his earthly ministry, including then, they have all have been rendered with the ability to not go into the temple. Every person he's healed, not only were they sick in their bodies or demon possessed, but it also meant they could not enter the temple to worship. This was the rule, all right, back in Deuteronomy and Exodus, all right? This was the law. So not only did they have a physical need, but that physical need really pointed toward, towards a much more severe need, and that was their inability to walk into the temple and worship God. So when we see healings by Christ, we're seeing the healings as he said, I have to fulfill these healings in order to show you that I am the one that resurrects. I'm the resurrection life. I am the one that healing and salvation comes through and I'm healing physical bodies so that they might be able to worship me in my house of worship as a reflection of how I heal you and forgive you of sins. Does that make sense? So every person he's healed, it wasn't just the idea that now you can walk again. It was now you could worship freely in the way and means that God intended for you to worship within this time frame. Now, you have to know this when it comes to God and how his wisdom works is he gives you and reveals what he wants you to have for that time. Okay, that's just how it works. All right. He's not going to give you a cell phone and there are no satellites or signals. Things have to be put in place for the cell phone to work. You understand what I'm saying, right? You just can't just, here's a cell phone and there's no, no other phone. Nobody else got a phone. Who, who, now you can talk to people. Who? <laughs> How? <laughs> so similar to wisdom and processes of God, everything has to fall in line for then this next way that you could worship and serve God to be available to you. Does that make sense? So now in that time period, the only way they could worship God, what was available to them was to worship him in the temple because that is the means and processes that he set in place by way of his covenant. Yes. But then Christ ushers in a new covenant and now there's a new way that people can worship. But prior to that, just their sickness and disease would render that they could not worship God the way he wanted them to worship him. This is tough because some of these sicknesses, maybe you did it. Maybe you poked yourself in the eye. Now you're blind. I don't know. But then, but for the most part, a lot of them, 
was ones they didn't even do. Stuff they were just born with. Now this is the catch. This is something that this woman had to know is because whatever her ailment was, it was beyond her control and anybody else's control to solve it. Like if you tell me what to do, I'll do it. Take this medicine. Don't eat that. Don't go there. Don't do this. This will help with that disease. Thank you so much. I will do that now. I can worship God freely. See, that makes sense. But now you tell me I got a disease where now it cannot be healed. I was born with it. I don't know how it got there. It just showed up in my body, a part of my life every day. And not only is it an extreme inconvenience, but it means that I cannot worship God with everybody else. Right. And you have to wonder, well, all these people that were coming for healings and deliverances, what was the difference between some of the ones that he said, now go tell everybody and the ones he said, don't tell nobody. What was the difference between the ones he said, now come follow me and the ones he said, no, go back home. Because there's something in the hearts and spirits of every one of these believers. And I wonder if it has something to do with why did you come to be healed? Was it to remove some inconvenience? of your temporary life and your temporary flesh? Or was it because you recognize that this particular inconvenience would mean that you can't have the eternity with God? Now, death in of itself, biblically, is defined as separation from God. That's death, biblically, all right? That's death in reality, okay? Just separation from God. If God says, I'm going to build a temple, a house where you could come and worship me, but you can't come if you're sick or you got a disease or an ailment, and now you stuck outside and everybody else get to go in and worship God. Well, what'd he say? Hey, 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 what'd he say? What, y'all, what happened? You, you went in, then, then what happened? And don't let him come out happy. Hallelujah, Amen. And when you went in, you was looking sad. Now you came out, you're looking all, all well in your insides. Meanwhile, I'm still down bad in my insides and in my outsides. Am I helping anybody here just yet? So when Jesus tells this woman, your faith has made you well, I'm curious to know what did she really have that caused her to be able to pull power from the father without his active participation and affirmation that he wanted to do it. Like somebody said, can you heal me? If it is thy will, I know you can heal me. It is my will. Now you are healed. Like most people had to have a a conversation to say, I do want this for you. Right? This woman didn't even need a conversation with Christ to know, but you know you want to do this. And all I got to do is touch the hem. I ain't going to disturb you. You can just keep doing whatever you're doing, God. But I know if I just got that part right, just a little bit is all I need. You're the one. This is mind-boggling. Because if you put Jesus now, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to keep going on. If you put Jesus right here in these days, okay, and, you, and everybody heard that there was a miracle person that's dishing out miracles. I mean, if you're sick, that's who you go to. Everybody that heard it be like, now what do they do? They go, they wait in line. Then the man come up to him, you touch him. Oh, you healed. Everybody would follow that pattern. I go, what do you do with the blind people? You go to the blind people. When you blind, he spit on your face, he spit on your eyes, something like that. And then you go, I'm blind. 
whatever the method was that everybody said that they used to be healed would be the method that we would go and anticipate to be used. Do you understand? This woman came up with a method that nobody used before, nobody saw before, nobody even imagined, and she had the This is going to work. It's this kind of stuff that just gets in my brain because human beings are not any different now than they were then. So it's not like she had something that was different. You understand? And so I'm like, would I think all I got to do is just tap his pinky toe? And I'm, no, I wouldn't think that. I would not think that. And it is, it, it gets me. What did this woman have? Is it this thing, faith? I got faith. I'm pretty sure I got faith. All right. Maybe not the way she had it because I wouldn't think touch his pinky toe and then I'll be healed. I wouldn't even think that. What did this woman have? Because it was that faith that Christ said is the reason why you're healed. Now, he knows he is the one that supplied the power for the healing. But he also knows that that power that he has for healing is not received by any individual, lest it is also withdrawn by faith. Like, I got all this? Yeah. I'll take some. Thank you very much. Like, that is not in conversation, apparently. It's not the fact that he sees you, apparently. It's not the fact that you waited in line. It's just the fact that you had faith, and that is how you get it. Anybody questioning faith at this point? Anybody going like, okay. So it says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Apparently, she knew the will of God. Now, the scripture doesn't say that she said, I'm going to go pray. Because at this time, you have to be honest. A person that is diseased that cannot enter the temple would not assume that their prayers are heard by God. That's a far reach. Not for us, but for them. You understand? You got to go cleanse yourself. He's a holy God. He's a righteous God. If you don't cleanse yourself, you're going to strike you dead. And you don't want to run up to him, God, all willy-nilly. And he'd be like, well, I can't cleanse myself. But I just know he hears me. No, you would, you would not think that. You, would, you barely think he hears you when you are in line with God, let alone not in line. Do you understand what the ordinances that he set in place? And then it really starts eating away at your security. Because now something in me is always going to prohibit me from speaking to you outrightly. So I can't even see logically how this woman could even think that God is having a conversation with her in order to tell her, just touch Jesus as him and you'll be healed. And then she took that word and with that word she knew and she reached out to do it, which is how preachers preach it. But it's not true of the society at that time. Anybody else? Perplexed? Am I just, I'm, 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 I'm not the only one that has been thinking these things. You can see this, right? He's a daughter. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And she, she's well. And she just, she, 
And Jesus didn't even know. He wasn't even like, yeah, I want to heal you. It was like, oh, who did that? Yo, good job. Way to go. Be healed. When everybody else required his unadulterated attention. Like he was literally on his way to heal somebody else because he came to him. Knowing all along he could have healed that person without even going. But yet this individual needed his attention so much so that they had to walk to Jairus' daughter's house in order to heal. So now it would appear as if the method of healing has more to do with the individual than it does God's will or sovereignty. Like the method. In order, what will it take for you to believe? Christ says all the time, I've never seen faith like this before. There's, you've got something that the rest of this generation doesn't have in how you understand the things of God and who he is. And this woman apparently had it. And all the multitude that is pressing around Jesus to know him, to be with him, to get something from him, to have healing. Everybody pressing around him does not have it. With all the people that are probably in need pressing against him, they do not have the same type or quality of faith as this woman. <sighs> okay, so it happened for her. And I was thinking, faith. And then I recognized something that is very true about faith. Faith apart from the will of God is not faith, but imagination and fantasy. Faith apart from the will of God is not faith, it's imagination and fantasy. Now this is huge because many modern Christians love to manipulate the hand and power of God by what we call faith. I believe, I believe, I believe. I know that's what God wants for me. I know that's what God has for me. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. And they sound so sure about it. Like they just, and I know because some of y'all do this with me. Pastor, I know this what God said. I know this what God said. I'm like, hmm. I'm not doubting. That you don't have a strong no. I don't doubt that you don't have a very strong belief mechanism. I don't doubt that you are very sure of this thing in your mind. I don't doubt that you are very adamant about this thing. That you see it so clearly that you can see exact. I don't doubt that this has really happened on the inside of you. What I doubt is if you really know the will of God pertaining to you in that situation. That's what I doubt. Now let's just be honest. Times you came and said, Pastor, I know this is God. And then you felt like an idiot afterwards. I, I, well, did I get it wrong? Did I not know if that was God? I mean, if I got that wrong, then I could, I knew she was going to be the one, Pastor. I told you. I knew he was going to be the one. I told you. I just knew God had gave me that job. And now, no, 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 no. And when it don't work out as the will of God, apparently, because it didn't happen. People are like, well, it still could have been the will of God. No, it couldn't have if it didn't happen. 
Only thing you can say is it might still be if it rich around and then does happen. But other than that, if it did not happen and it cannot happen, it is definitely not his will that it would have happened. So now considering it did not happen, you left with this, maybe I got it wrong. So now you're trying to evaluate all the reasons why you thought it was the will of God to make sure that in the future, you, which one did I miss? Did I miss this one? Did I miss that one? Did I, I miss one of these ones. One of these deceived me. One of these, they messed with, they, they, they told me a ride. Maybe it was her smile. Maybe it was her body. Maybe it was his smile. Maybe it was his body. Maybe it was the money. Maybe it was the fish I had for dinner that night. Maybe it was the fact that I'd already prayed about it and it just showed up. I wasn't even trying. It just showed up in my life. That's how I know it's God because I wasn't even trying. And it just showed up. He was like, I wasn't even looking for it. And then there was just. Let me tell you something. If, if I ain't looking for something and I'm looking at something else, I'm not going to see what I'm not looking at. I wasn't even looking for it, Pastor. And it just, you weren't looking for it at all? Like, not even in your peripheral? Like, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit in your peripheral, you was looking for it a little bit in your peripheral. It had to be a little bit in your peripheral. Don't be getting mad at me because I'm pulling your card. It's the truth. But you, but you, I needed this to say. That this was not something I was making of my own self, but that somehow it all aligned beyond me to be the things of God. And I'm like, that don't mean it was the will of God. What it really tells me is you are completely oblivious to you. <laughs> Like, to you, you don't even know how you work. <laughs> but you really notice how God works. You, you struggle with knowing how you work. I ain't even, I wasn't even looking for it. But you, in your peripheral, it was. And you don't even know that that was in your peripheral. It was. Now, I passed it. Oh, it was. Just like that sin you did. I don't even know where that came from. It was in you. It wasn't in me. Oh, it was in you. It was, I, it was, it was the devil. And he had, no, 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 that thing been sitting in you all this time. It's sitting in me all this time, been sitting in you. All the times you was at church, every Sunday, every Wednesday, that sin sat there in your heart and just stayed there. It just, no matter what I preached, no matter what we said, that sin stayed there. And then when temptation met opportunity, see how you don't even know how you work. But you swear that you know this, is the, this was the will of God. I just knew. I'm not questioning the fact that you don't believe something wholeheartedly. I'm questioning whether that thing is the will of God. I am. I'm questioning whether that's the will of God. Now, a lot of ways, it's easy for me to know that it's not the will of God. I'm not going to tell you. I mean, I, it's easy for me to know. I'll tell you how I don't, don't know. But I'm not going to tell you when you come and tell me this is the will of God because it's going to dash your hopes and dreams. And now your faith in God himself is interwoven with this desire. And if I remove this, then I also remove the faith that you had in God intertwined with this, which was completely unnecessary, number one. But, you know, kids like to have temper tantrums when they can't have their way. So I'm going to hold my breath. 
you know, so, so I just let you go on down. But it's some clear signs to me when something is not the will of God. Number one, does it cause you to sin? I mean, that one time we had slipped up, but that was just that one time. And that so God going to give you the thing that caused you to sin? Mm-mm. 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 Does it call you to pull back from him? Now, all of a sudden, you, you, you can't go to church no more. You can't do this. That God gave that job, but you can't go to church on Sundays with that job. You can't go to Bible study with that job. Oh, but God gave it to you. <laughs> I just that doesn't that doesn't mesh well with who he is. You understand? That just it doesn't it doesn't. No, you got a job. Just say that. Say you got a job. Right. You don't have to say God gave me this job. People get jobs all the time that don't know Jesus. But because you saved everything that got everything that you get come from the Lord. No, everything anybody get come from the Lord in, in generally speaking. But was he specific about doing this very thing for you? I have a hard time. Is it selfish? Does it benefit you while harming others? That, that's not the footprint of God. He receives no benefit from things that harm other people. That's not his, that's not his footprint. Right now, now things can harm people, but he's not going to do it to get benefit, even though it harm. That's just not how he works. That's not his heart. So now you got this thing that you say God gave you, but the time he gave it to you completely harms other people. And you say that's their problem, even though it is your problem that y'all was even intertwined in the first place. Do I need to be more specific? <laughs> People are like, what's she talking about? Okay, well, let me, for those of you, <laughs> you got involved, uh, you got involved in this situation, hello, somebody, that completely caused problems to you, other people, and sometimes the, I'm going to look at ministers, sometimes the entire church, and then you think that the next move you make does not have to consider them or anybody else. Because that's their problem. It's their problem if it hurt them. It's their problem if it hurt them when you are the reason and they are the reason why y'all even have the problem in the first place. So I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to just be without just because of that one time? Possibly. Would that be too much for you to bear? Oh, is it selfish? Is it only seek you and, and not the concern of other people? I tell people all the time, okay, if you think that's a good idea, then go tell the person before you do it. If you think it's so good, then have a conversation with them and see how they feel. Uh, it's hot. <laughs> It's hot. So you tell me it's the will of God. I believe it's the will of God. I'm like, mm, I believe you believe something. I believe you got strong beliefs. But I don't know if this is the will of God. 
I just don't. And I don't know if you should be so sure either. And there's nothing wrong with saying, I got something. I got a job. I got a boyfriend. I got a girlfriend. I got some money. I got a car. You know, it's not going to say, you got it. We just leave it at that. We ain't got to put the whole weight of heaven. And the only reason you're doing it is so that you could have some level of affirmation about some mess you ain't got no business being that sure about. But this woman, let me circle it back around, did not need any affirmation from the father as it relates to his heart and nature. You ain't got to face me. You ain't got to know that I'm here. But I know you. Nobody else is acting like they know you like this. Everybody else is pressing on you and nobody else is even thinking this is sufficient. No. No, here. Christ, Jesus, is God. The purpose of the temple was to allow mankind to be with God. God is in the multitude of people. The thing that you wanted to be healed in your body so that you could be near to God, you actually have as he is walking among you. And no one else seems to recognize this but her. Like if, now I don't, I don't have to touch him, but I know if I get his him, then I am in his presence, which is the thing that I wanted all along. And if he lets me, if the sovereign will of God the Father will let me be in his presence, then I know for a fact that I'm healed. Because I wouldn't be able to be in his presence. If I, I wouldn't be able to be in his presence if I, if, hello somebody, if I was still sick and diseased, if I was still not well, I couldn't be in his presence. So if by chance, by the sovereign will of God, that I could push my way through all these people and know for a fact that I am now in his presence, then I know in fact he has healed me indeed. He's healed me indeed. Ooh. And everybody else with needs is pressing against him, but don't recognize the thing that they need most, they already have. Come on, press against the Father, tell him what you need. Come on, press into his presence and tell him, tell him what you want. Come on, press into his presence and, and tell God what you really need. Oh, God, I need a new car. Oh, God, I need a new house. See, when I say it like this, all of a sudden it seems so silly. Yeah. It seems foolish in line with truth. I can prove it to you because Jesus says so. Let me go, let's go to the next scripture. <laughs> let's go to Mark chapter 11. Well, it won't be in this scripture, but it'll be around this scripture. <laughs> in this scripture, we're going to go to another scripture. And in that scripture, then that answer will be there. So just look out for it, okay? Mark chapter 11, when you're there, say amen. 
Jesus has just entered into Jerusalem on his last and final trip into Jerusalem. It was with fanfare and pomp and circumstance and heralding him as king with multitudes and thousands saying he is the Christ and the Messiah. And it's so people are having palm branches and they're laying down their clothes and he's coming into a royal fanfare and the thousands upon thousands of people with him that agree that he is king are excited about their liberty that they're going to find in this new king from over Roman rule. And that also means the type of life that they're going to have moving forward now that the king is here. On the other side is a whole bunch of Jews, devout, religious, that are saying, no, he's not the Christ. But nevertheless, Christ comes in. By the time all the fanfare is done, Christ goes into the temple. And he goes in, in verse 11, is that where I'm at? Chapter 11, chapter 11, verse 11. And he entered Jerusalem, and watch this, and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. This verse is almost missed. It was late in the hour because of his triumphant entry. And the first place he goes is to his temple. And he looks around and he leaves. Something unique about this. And it is played out in the next couple of verses. On the following day, when he came from Bethany, he went to Bethany, now he's leaving Bethany, going back to Jerusalem, all right? He was hungry. I don't remember seeing many scriptures that say Jesus was hungry. Nor do I think his hunger is so paramount. Hello, somebody, because he can't even be tempted by hunger, you know. But nevertheless, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one eat, ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. And they came to Jerusalem and he entered the temple and began to drive out all those who sold and all those who, brought, who bought in the temple. And he overturned tables and the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him for they feared him because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. 
And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your father also who was in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Stop right there. You have to note that the story of the fig tree bookends another story of Jesus' encounter at the temple. Theologically, when we see stories bookend text, it means that the demonstration is reflecting what is within the bookends. Does that make sense? So the fig tree has something to do with the temple. That's why the sign is on both sides of the story of him going into the temple. Make sense? Okay. So let's, 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 let's look at one story. Jesus goes into the temple. It's really late. He looks around and he leaves. All right. He passes by a fig tree. He goes up to it, looks around and he leaves. The next day he curses the fig tree. I mean, that day he curses the fig tree and comes back to the fig tree. The fig tree all the way, all just withered all the way away, just completely. Now, let's look at something here. When I used to look at this scripture from a commentary that suggested, because you know, on the other, uh, in Luke, the same story is discussed, and it says, it talks about how you're cursed, Jesus is cursing the fig tree, but the fig tree wasn't in season. It wasn't season for figs. And what that, it was not season for figs, what they're really saying is, is it was not harvest season for figs. Okay. I know. I know. I didn't know that till now. I always thought there wasn't time for figs to grow. And I was like, well, you better have what Jesus said you're supposed to have, even though it ain't time for you to have it. <laughs> if he say it's time, it's time. Now that's true, but it also has a connotation that somehow the father is going to wither you away because you did not have what you were supposed to have in the due season you're supposed to have it, but you were supposed to know that he was coming and you were supposed to have it because you were supposed to know that. This may be true, I don't know. But let's take the more simpler approach, which is that when the scriptures say it is not season for figs, they're saying it is not harvest season for figs. And so considering when you understand fig trees, if you are hungry, you can eat a fig that is not ripened. All right. But you don't harvest a fig until it is ripe. Does that make sense? So the season for harvest is when the fruit is ripe. But if you're hungry, right, then you can go and get you a fig even though it's not fully ripe because you're hungry. It was also mean that nobody plucked the figs off this tree. This is true about fig trees. Apparently, agriculturalists tell you that fig trees are of the type of tree family that the fruit comes before the leaf. They need to write this in the Bible. They need to tell people in parentheses. <laughs> the fig tree is of the type of tree where you could have the fruit before the leaf. Okay? So by the time you get to the leaf aspect, it has been full harvest. It is like you should have had fruit. You should not, on a fig tree, you should not have leaves without actually having 
fruit. And since it has not been seasoned for harvesting, it's not like somebody came and plucked the figs off the... Okay, so now let's back up. <laughs> Jesus walks up. He is hungry from a distance. He sees the fig tree. This is Christ himself, hungry. And he goes out of his way to go to this fig tree. And it's got leaves, which would indicate it should have may not be fully ripe, but I'm going to get me a couple of these mugs off of here. Oh, that's going to be good. That's going to be good eating right there. I ain't going to harvest everything. Just need a couple just to tie me over. That makes sense. He gets to the tree that should have figs because the leaves, but the healing of the nations are already on there. I digress. Nevertheless, okay. He gets there and there's, there's no figs. And he curses the fig tree. Then when they come back the next day, that fig tree withered. It is dead now. So now you recognize that the curse is befitting to the condition that he found it in. Most times he doesn't have to give you a new curse. The curse is that you remain in the condition to which he found you. Since everybody's already cursed now anyway. If you're redeemed, then you're redeemed from the curse. That you don't have to stay in the condition to which he found you in. So the condition of the curse matches the condition of the state that the fig tree was already in, which was barren. It had reached maturity, but had no fruit. It had grew with all the leaves that would indicate from a distance I should be able to approach you and you have fruit. But upon closer examination, we find there's no fruit on this tree. You look like a Christian from a you look like a mature saint from a distance. You do the works of God. You do the acts of God. You show up. You sing. You dance. You serve. But upon closer examination, when we are in need of fruit of temperance, when we're in need of fruit of kindness, when we're in need of fruit of long-suffering, when we're in need of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, you bear no fruit. But I see anxiety and lust and greed and lasciviousness and selfishness and an inability to control your emotions. You bear no fruit. Now to all the members here at Renew, you, sure, you are blessed because your pastor's always walking around before Jesus get to you. Be like, where your fruit at? <laughs> hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Got no fruit. <laughs> I don't know when he coming to your neighborhood, but he, he might be coming. You need to get some fruit on you. Oh, Lord, ain't got no fruit. Hey. <laughs> hey, Jesus. We, we, we working on it. Ooh. We don't, don't just come, come back. Come back around. Come come. <laughs> The Holy Spirit pressed upon my heart. Like, make, make another round. Jesus just gets. By the time you come back, we'll be ready. We'll be. When figs should be on trees with leaves, we should find figs. 
when temptation for lust is near, we should find temperance. Self-control. When there's a season for greed, we should find you being selfless. Tax season and came and went. Selflessness is what we should have found. But you don't spend that money. It is now gone. I know it. You know it. Now you're thinking, what am I going to do next? I don't know. I don't know why you weren't making fruit when it was time to make fruit. Why is this tree not producing fruit? Does this not perplex anybody? Because fruit trees make fruit. They, they ain't got to be taught. Excuse me? Fig trees do not have to be taught how to make figs. They don't need no lesson on it. Y'all don't want to help me today. They don't need a sermon on it. They don't, they don't need to be discipled in it. Hello, somebody. They don't need to be instructed in nope, 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 nope. Fig trees don't need to learn how to make figs. They just do it. When do they do it? When it's time. It's time. There it is. If you went to a fig tree, be like, why you ain't produce no fruit? What fig tree going to say? I don't know what happened in me that made me not produce fruit when everybody else is producing fruit. Similar to why I don't know why I have an issue of blood flowing through me when everybody else don't have an issue of blood. Similar to why I don't know why I'm blind and nobody else seems to be blind. Similar to why I don't know why I can't walk and everybody else seems to I don't know what happened on my insides that is stopping me from yielding the fruit that you desire at this time. You can't even, and mostly try to sit and figure it out, don't you? And all that does is breed more pride in your understanding of self so that you spend more time trying to figure out what your problem is yeah. than you do in prayer. Y'all yeah. don't want to. <laughs> okay. You spend more time trying to diagnose your problem, and you're not doing it so that you won't do the problem again because you found out that ain't true. You're doing it so that you could have control. Yeah, yeah. I need to know what the problem is so that I can determine whether I want that problem to show up or not. You know, your triggers. Come on, let's just be honest. <laughs> it's good that you identified your triggers, but you also like the fact that it's a trigger, so you get to determine whether you want that thing to pow, go off or not, yeah. since you know it's a trigger or not. Yeah. No, you hit my trigger, so that, duh, what do you expect? That was my trigger. What do I expect? Fruit. Well, that's my thing. You know, when they start really being nice to me, I can't help myself, but the, what, do you mean, what am I supposed to do? That's just the way I'm built. No, I expect fruit. But ever since I was a little boy, ever since I was a little girl, that's all I ever knew. I mean, what am I supposed to do? I expect fruit. Because fig trees produce fruit, and the righteous of the Lord produce righteousness. And they don't need the law to grow it in them because it's not capable. It's not. The Spirit of the Lord does it. It takes you from a withered state of barrenness. 
It's a very alive state of fruit. How y'all feeling? You feeling all right? Okay, let's, let's keep going. Let's keep going. So Jesus showed up to the temple and found out when he walked in, number one, the entire party that ushered him into the city did not go with him to the temple. Isn't how indicative of that is for it? You solved my problem out there, but when it came time to celebrate with you in here for who you really are, I thought the party was done out there. No, the party should have came on. They should have, hallelujah, hallelujah, go on in there, holies of holies, Jesus. Y'all know you the one, go on in there. Uh -uh. There was nobody there. Everybody's like, all right, he the one. We're going to wait to see politically how this is going to plan out. But I, he got my vote. I'm right. I'm, I'm good. Pack up the stuff. Everybody pack up all your stuff. All right. That was a good celebration. All right. Went to the temple. It was no hoopla. No fanfare. The people in the temple should have been like, he's here. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Then we saw all these folk making money. All these folk convincing other people that they need to exchange they busted dove for this spotless pigeon. You understand? That's your currency. We only deal in, 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 in temple currency, so we're going to need you to exchange your currency from where you from, whatever that nation is. You're going to have to put that in temple currency for us to be able to receive it as a temple sacrifice. And the exchange rate is 0. 0.000. So you think you're giving two pence. Technically, you're giving 0. 0.008 pence of, you know, give the exchange. So if, if, if the law required that you give this amount in exchange for whatever sin or whatever deed or whatever is on your heart, you're going to need a little bit more because your currency is not quite sufficient in exchange rate. That's what's happening here. That, that's just so you know, that's, that's the gamut. And all the scribes, the people that know the word, and all the Pharisees, the, the, the priests of the house, everybody is in on it. What can we get? Oftentimes as a minister, I run into other ministers and servants and I could tell you off the top, your problem is that you thought the church was supposed to take care of you versus you taking care of the church. That's the problem. We get burned out. We get upset because we went into it thinking that if I do for you, then you'll do for me. But a person that serves in the household of faith must serve with a complete heart that says, I love God and I love his people and I'm here to serve both, whether I get something from it or not. Ooh. This is what you would think about any saint. I serve the house of God whether I get something from it or not. But that wasn't what I saw when I went to Rome. Y'all said, bump that, you ain't getting no tithes and offers while you going past the church, get crumbled. I ain't even going to show up. I mean, he ain't serving me right now, so. Why do I need to serve it? The church is here for me. 
whatever blessings we get as the body of Christ is added. But we are called to serve nations collectively as the body of Christ, not to be served. So it appears that this fig tree is showing in real time how God is feeling about his church, the temple. The people of Israel should have fruit, not ready for harvest, but they should have enough fruit that if the master is hungry, he can eat a little something to tie him over for the future harvest that is yet to come. See, he's trying to show that. And the fig tree that has leaves should have some type of fig on it. Not harvest ready fig, but enough. You should be able to see you're not ready to really for me to rule and reign in Israel, but you got enough to know that I am the Messiah. That's what that scripture is doing. It's showing how God feels about the nation of Israel and his house by looking at a fig tree. That at this point, this house that has been erected should have a level of fruit on it that if anybody is in need, it should be present. Even if it's not in its most mature state. This would indicate that even though you're not a mature Christian, even though you haven't learned everything yet, even though there's so many things you don't understand, even though there are things that you don't really get, but you should still have fruit. But you use what you don't understand as justification for why you don't have any fruit. So if I can really understand how the will of God works, then I probably wouldn't do this. If I can understand this, then I probably won't do that. And so you let all your questions about what you don't understand convince you that it's okay since you don't understand this, then maybe that's all right if I sin. Or maybe I'm just so frustrated that I don't understand anything, that I just don't know what to do my, with myself. So I have to go back to where I came from and all the sin that I was delivered from. Whatever it is you use, you use it. When fig trees don't have to be taught how to have figs. But instead, there is something wrong at a core level with why you don't have fruit. I'm pausing for dramatic effect. If you can't be honest with yourself and God now in this place, then what's the point? What's the point? You got to sit here and cover it up even now when it's already been exposed? Are you still grabbing for fig leaves? Oh, no, no. Oh. 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 Still grabbing for fig leaves. That was from the Garden of Eden. They sewed together fig leaves. Some people don't know the scriptures, people. Act like, yeah, like you were surprised. <laughs> Still sewing fig leaves together, even in service, rather than admitting right now with you and the Holy Spirit that there's some areas, huge areas of my life that I don't show any fruit. And I know, I know I'm supposed to have some type of fruit by now. being disillusioned and deceptive. No, you should have fruit. 
well, maybe it's just not my season. It's not for harvest, but we should see something. I mean, technically it's been 19 weeks, so come Something, and that's just this year. He says, he starts to teach everybody that's in the temple. And the people in leadership are getting scared because people are hearing this. And scales are falling from their eyes and the hardness of their heart begins to soften as they recognize we are doing this all wrong. And what is frightening to the enemy is that you might agree that I've been doing this all these years wrong. Or would you be like the Pharisees and Sadducees and get so afraid of the change that's getting ready to happen that you would try to destroy the word itself to make sure you can keep your routine going the way you want it? Now all of a sudden you dumb, I don't understand. I don't, I don't really know Bible like that. Come on. Don't do that. You know the basics. The basics of this conversation was, I should have more fruit. I ain't got none. Something is wrong with me. That's how far we got thus far. That's the whole, thus far. That's, that's, where, I, that's where I brought you to that point. Right? Something about faith. <laughs> Somehow it's about prayer. Maybe I've been praying wrong, faith and wrong, something. I've been faith and praying. I don't know which one it is, but I do know I'm not right. And I'm not going to fake the funk no more. I'm not going to fake the funk. I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to sew fig leaves together. I'm going to have to be honest and say, this ain't right, this ain't right, this ain't right, this ain't right. And I'm going to join Jesus turning over these tables and kicking out these prophets. Oh, yeah. Satan gets afraid when his mechanism to keep you lulled starts falling apart. Wait a minute. If you, you start messing with that, he might become radical. She might become a fanatic. Jesus said, you know, I'm upset because my house is supposed to be a house of prayer. You guys were turning into a den of thieves. People used to give because they were excited about the work of God. And now it seems the more people we get, the more the givers say, well, I ain't got to give as much. What? They would see the momentum of how God is moving and go, let's add to what God is doing versus let me keep more for myself because I guess the church doesn't need it as much. It used to be a time where people got excited about the move of God, about the saving of souls and, and the opportunity to go and evangelize and then watch this. And they were excited about coming to tell the rest of us how God moved. Yes, I'm coming for you and I will talk to you after service. That this was the thing that, that made us us. Those that really get it. 
that, that understand Christ and the kingdom. And those that bear the brunt, the difficulty, and the suffering that comes with building the kingdom of Christ. You may not suffer like the woman on the, on the voice of the martyrs, but when you're doing it right, oh baby, you suffer. You suffer in terms of there's no one to help you. You suffer in terms of being exhausted, but you still have to keep moving. You suffer in being almost doubtful that change could come and yet you still find hope and you pour it out to others. You suffer in gone without basic necessities, desires and wants. You suffer because you recognize that half the crap I want is temporal and I need to get my act together. And when you look for other people that say, hey, Am I not crazy? Should I not be worried about this so much? Everybody said, no, you should worry about that. You should worry about that. You should really worry about that because then what you're going to do if you don't have this, you don't have that, then you don't have this, you don't have that. Then all of a sudden you just feel so alone in a body of Christ because there are no true believers. <sighs> but just sick folk that want healing. A true believer could be in the presence of God and receive everything that they need from his presence. But those that are sick and around just want healing. So he says, did you not know that my house is a, is a house? This is what Isaiah, let's go to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 56. So Jesus is He's coupling this idea of faith. He says, have faith in God. This is what he tells the disciples. Now, if you go to Isaiah 56, hold that. When Peter noticed that the fig tree withered, he was like, Jesus, look. The fig tree you cursed, it happened. And then the next couple of verses, before you go to Isaiah 56, go back, go back, go back. Let's look at this. I, I want to go to Isaiah, but just... I'm getting ahead of myself. Go back to, what was it, Mark I said? Mark 11, verse 22 and 21, 21 and 22. They remember what Jesus said. They said, look, Jesus, the fig tree that you cursed, it's withered. It happened just like that, just like you said. You said it, and it happened. Wow. Wow. That's the power of God. I tell you right there, there it is, right? And Jesus says, have faith in God. Okay. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be uprooted and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you whatsoever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Stop, stop, stop right there. Just Anytime I've read this, I thought Jesus was trying to explain to Peter how when he said, be cursed fig tree, how it happened just like that. Like you just got to have faith in God because when you say something going to happen, 
it's going to happen. You tell that mountain move, it's going to move. Even if it looks improbable and impossible in God, all things are possible. So when you say it and you really know that it's supposed to happen and you really believe it, it's going to happen. I thought all this time that Jesus was explaining to Peter how he got the fig tree to wither so fast. Anybody else think that? It doesn't fit. People are like, nope, it doesn't. You don't even know that. <laughs> I kind of knew it. <laughs> it doesn't fit because the fig tree is an example of the house of Israel. It's not there to explain how to get what you want by faith. It's the whole example of the fig tree is there to explain the condition of the children of Israel. What was the condition at this point? That he went to the temple and the place of prayer was not prayer, but a place of exchange. That was the condition. So when he explains what happened to the fig tree, he's not explaining how to get what you say you're going to get when you say it. He's explaining how the same thing won't happen to you. His, you think his concern is how you can declare and decree and have it? Or is his concern how to make sure that what is happening to Israel doesn't happen to the church? Which one do you think is his concern? How to make sure that what you see in this, fig, this withering fig tree does not become you. The problem that the, the fig tree had isn't the withering. The problem is that it was barren. And before judgment comes and you're withered, how do you avoid being barren? The example is not about how to declare and decree. Go and pray and believe that you can have it and then say it full of faith. I believe that this is what the Lord wants for me. Amen. He says there's something that needs to be uprooted. He says that it doesn't matter if it's big as a mountain. Anybody ever have something in their heart that needed to be removed and it was as big as a mountain? It's like you couldn't wrap your mind around how deep. Do you know what, how deep a mountain goes? To the extent that the height of the mountain is to the extent of the depth of its base. Because you need that much depth in roots or ground to hold the mountain up. Hello, somebody. So a high mountain, a big mountain, has really deep, deep, deep roots. Anybody ever had something so in their heart that it seemed like they couldn't get around it? Everything in their life pointed back to that. Everything went right back to that. Every problem went back to that. Every situation went back to that. Every heartbreak went back to that. Every job went back to that. Everything always went right back to that because it was big as a mountain. big as a mountain and no matter what you tried and have tried no matter how many profits you paid how many prayer lines you got in 
how many anointing oils you rubbed, how many physicians you saw, it just seemed like this thing could not be lifted and removed out of your heart. And it is the epitome of every single problem you have in your life. Can you see your mountain now? Some of us were like, well, maybe we ain't got to move the mountain. Maybe, maybe we just scale it over and over and over again. Just up the mountain, down the mountain, up the mountain, down the mountain. Maybe that's my life. Maybe the Lord just want me to just go up the mountain, down the mountain. Struggle with it, no struggle with it. Struggle with it again, no struggle with it. Keep struggling with my flesh, no struggle. Convince myself that it's not my flesh, but it is my heart because I really love this person. Oh, it's still my flesh. Just keep struggling up and down, up and down, up and down. Even when you want to have another focus. Even when you want to focus on God. Even when right now I, really, I want to focus on my career. I'm, I'm going to focus on my health, my physical health. It just seemed that somehow you just walk right back into this mountain. How in the world? <laughs> is this thing ever, how big is this mountain? Okay, I'm going to go over here and Okay, I'm going to focus on this from now. Move, please. Are you with me? Mm. He says, so have faith in God. And even if it's a mountain, if you believe that you received it, you shall have it. See, the thing is, he said, look, look, at, the, look at the words on that again. He said, when, when you ask, when you pray, whatever things you ask, when you what? Pray believe that you receive them and then you what will have will have this for me is very true of the heart god is not talking about how to get what you want in pure faith He's discuss, discussing how to remove the barriers and the mountains that are stopping you from producing fruit. And he says, if in prayer you believe that you receive them, you shall have them. And that is so true of a mountain in your heart. Because when you go in prayer about something that is wrong in your heart, you don't immediately feel it lifted in prayer. You don't immediately feel changed in prayer. You don't immediately feel better in prayer you don't know that it even works until you go to where that mountain used to be and then you find that there's no mountain there I'm no longer angry I'm no longer bitter I'm no longer lost I'm no longer tempted in prayer you don't feel it all the time he said, but when you leave, you believe that you received it. And you shall have it. Days, minutes, and moments. I go to the Father in prayer. On my way to church, I thought about angels, thought about the kingdom, thought about mommy. Instantly, the mountain of pain popped up out of nowhere. And the whole trip, I couldn't, couldn't get around it. 
but I know prayer. And I said, Lord, you're going to have to remove this mountain before I get up to preach today. And I didn't feel it when I walked in my office. I didn't feel it when I heard praise and worship. I didn't feel it when I knelt down in prayer. I didn't feel it until I grabbed the mic and began to preach. But I believed that I would receive it and I have it. What he's trying to show you now, can you, now back up. If, if that mountain stayed, there would be no fruit. Y'all don't want to help me. If my mountain stayed, there would be no fruit from my life in these two hours. And if there's no fruit from my life in these two hours, then you may not have fruit in your life for these next two weeks. But this mountain, oh God, you've got to move it. And I know you want to move it. And I know you will move it. And I know you shall move it. Ain't no doubt in my mind. I could touch your hymn, whatever it's, I'm going to grab that mic. It's going to be gone. I don't know how, I don't know how, but it's going to be, because I know him. I know he desires for your soul to find rest. He desires for you to be transformed and reformed. For these mountains that keep blocking your fruitfulness in Christ to be removed and cast into the sea. That you're not walking consistently with blemishes that keep showing up because of your lack of faithfulness to a very faithful God. Yeah. When you know that about him. I wasn't sure about me. I was sure about him. I wasn't thinking, well, maybe you don't want to lift it. Because something I've done. Let me, let, me, let me show it to you. He said, my house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. Is that, is that what he said? He said, my house shall be a house of prayer. And he, he, he references Isaiah. Go to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 56 is a prophecy about salvation for foreigners, people that are not the children of Israel. And people have to recognize that the plan of God using Israel was to use Israel to gain everybody else. They weren't just killing folk because they weren't Israel. They were killing folk because they refused to accept God, and that was the whole plan why Israel was there and chosen in the first place. Mm -hmm. Let me say that again. When people look at Jerusalem and Israel, the Jews, God didn't use them because they were so special just in of themselves. He chose them before they were a people that he might use that nation to share who he is to other nations. God's plan since the fall was always mythological, which means he's always on a mission to gain all nations, not a specific group of people. It's always been the plan. But then people that are racist, self-serving, and haters of humanity will always try to show you that it was there for division. So Isaiah chapter 56, you can give them that one. 
Verse 3 says, let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, behold, I am a dry tree. But thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep this, my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant. I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than the sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Who is he talking about? The word eunuch means that somehow the, the parts that create fruitfulness in life is, has been cut off. The covenant of God to Israel was placed in the flesh and the very parts that the eunuchs have cut off. If you are a eunuch and you want to be in the household of Israelites, you cannot be because you have to take a covenant of circumcision to which you don't have the part that will require where the covenant is made. Somehow your station in life meant that you don't have this part, whether by choice or whether by somebody else's deed, whatever happened. Now, where the circumcision and the commandment and the covenant needs to happen of your salvation, you don't have what it takes for God to make that covenant with you. But in Isaiah, he counts you as his anyway. He's always counted you as his. He's always said your mind. It has nothing to do with where your heart got to. But even if your heart never got to that place, he counted you as his. You're still mine. And don't you ever think that at some point they can say that you're not mine. That's what he's telling them. You came in saying that you belonged. You felt that you were mine. Don't ever be afraid when the enemy tries to tell you that some condition you have would mean that you can't be his. He says, don't believe it. The enemy's trying to lie. He's trying to tell you that something that you have going on in you means that you can't be his. And, and that's not true. He says to the eunuch, you don't ever have to worry about being called a dry tree. I've been withered. You have a covenant with me in your heart. When everybody else needs affirmation in the physical. Y'all don't want to help me. Everybody else needs to hear him, see him face to face and hear him tell me that I am healed. But you know in your heart, y'all don't want to help me. It's something about you knowing in your heart that is everlasting and it is more sure than anything I could do on the outside. You don't need me to heal your body to know that I will heal your spirit. You don't need me to, hit, to give you a wife to know that you are loved. You don't need me to give you a husband to know that you are special. You don't need me to give you a title to know that you are called. You don't need these temporal things those that really believe they they believe in a way that most can't they serve in a way that is earth barely sees stuff like this You know, I was telling my neighbor, I got a new neighbor. She's very nice. 
She just asked me, what do I do for a living? I eventually had to tell her what I did. <laughs> and she said, oh, that's, that's, that's amazing. I was like, huh. Well, actually, it is kind of miraculous. Because most women would think they had to wait till they got married in order to actually serve God to the fullest. Most women would think that they had to be married with kids to really have their true purpose in what God has for them. Most pastors would think that I have to be a part of an organization and a denomination for me to actually launch out into the deep and to start something. So when you think about it, it is pretty miraculous that I needed no physical affirmation of what God was telling me to do, and I just did it. I don't know how I did it. I did it. More specifically, he did it, and it just showed up, the, and it's still going to this day. I am equally amazed that it is still running to this day do you know it's still running i know it's still running and i am shocked yes, <laughs> people that don't need god to tell them they're healed do amazing things they don't need affirmation that i'm delivered i've received it and i know when tempted, it'll show up, and it does. Jesus is explaining to them, you made my house of prayer an exchange, a place where people come to lay down their guilt with physical means and physical actions to then leave temporarily guilt-free, but never change to produce fruit. You go to church to feel a little guilt-free, but you still ain't got no fruit in that area. But Pastor, it's been like four weeks. <laughs> That's interesting. Fruit takes longer than four weeks, baby. I mean, in essence, you at least got to make it through a whole season, a round of seasons. Did you hear what I said? You have to make it through at least a round of seasons. Now let's be honest. You know your rounds of seasons. You know your broke season, your frustrated season, your tired season, your horny season, your angry season, your lonely season. You know your doubt. You know all your cycles. And you ain't made it through a round without that sin showing up in your life. Come on. There's no fruit. Just leaves to cover up the idea that you're still barren. And I know your cycles and your seasons, which is why when you ask me, Pastor, is it time for me? No. 
Pastor, is it time for me? No. Pastor, is it, I think it's God. No. Some of y'all don't even ask. You just tell me. Well, I think God said, since you ain't asked me, I ain't going to tell you no. I mean, you haven't given me authority in that area of your life. So you don't even ask. You just do. Because it's that season in your life. You know, it's hot outside. You hot in the pants. Can't wait to get that summer body out there. I mean, literally, I have to tell girls in church that this part of your meat should not be displayed here. And they like, but I want them to see this. You, you want, you want, you want them to see that? Oh, this your hot season. You done lost a little weight. And then got a little money, got your hair did. You got some situations structured in your life and now you be like, oh, it's time. Oh, it's time. I know, I know it's time. And look, it might look like season for that for everybody else, but you have not made it through a round of seasons to indicate that you're actually going to get fruit from that. So here you go with another job, fruitless. Here you go with another business, fruitless. Here you go with another adventure, fruitless. Another event, fruitless. Another relationship, fruitless. You ain't fooling nobody. A wise man once said, a little faith will get you to heaven, but a lot of faith will bring heaven to you. You'll make it to heaven struggling, but you won't taste heaven here. You can't. You can't. Because you love the temporal too much. You love your feelings too much. I remember a couple years ago, I bought my first luxury car. <laughs> Daddy, remember? And I, a week, I had to, I picked it up. I put a new sound system in it. You know, I wanted new cameras and stuff. I was like, I, you know, it's old, but I'm about to do that, you know. So I dropped it off at the place, and they put the little stuff in there. I'm like, yeah, I'm about to live it up. Pulled out the parking lot. <laughs> Somebody hit me. I called mommy and daddy, and I cried. I was heartbroken. I was like, it was my first luxury car ever. And I was so upset. And they said, it's going to be all right. And this is what I said. It's always going to be all right. <laughs> and I meant that. I meant... It's always going to be all right with Jesus. I know it. No, I've seen it where he's taken crap and pain and made it all right. But it's this period right now that I've got to deal with where it sucks and it's not all right. And I'm looking at it going, but this is not fair. And I wanted to just drive. I was so happy to actually drive the car. I bought it last week, put it in the shop this week. And today is the first day I get to actually drive the car. And before I pull it off the lot,
I said, why? And the man just kept going. He didn't even stop. And I said, I know it's going to be all right later. But I'm worried. I, I don't like now. It's the now that has got my heart so overwhelmed. It's the now that's got me wanting to come undone. It's the now that's got me wanting to give up. It's the now that's got me wanting to quit. It's not the tomorrow. It's the now. Somehow. I made it through them towing my car to a collision specialist. I made it through the months of insurance problems and repairs. Now, meanwhile, I still got to pay a car note on a car I can't drive. Rent a car, time period runs out. Now I gotta pay out of pocket for <laughs> How? Why? But somehow, I made it through it. And it's all right now. It real all right. <laughs> It's that. And Satan knew my cycle and my seasons. And this is enough to get you to turn from him in your heart. To have a season where fruitfulness is supposed to be happening in you and you shut it down. See, you don't just not produce fruit that one time. The processes and what requires maturity to produce fruit never got off the ground. So there's a time where it's being built in you and then the fruit is a product of what was being built. There's a time when it's supposed to be built and you shut it down. The sin ain't the problem. It's the heart that stopped the fruitfulness that combats the sin. The sin ain't the issue. It's the heart that can't produce the fruit that pushes back the sin. Oh. You get to the core issue. You get them insides running right. You will have fruit. But you got to get the insides running right to have external fruit about external situations. Hello? He goes on to talk about in verse 7, he says, These I will bring to my holy mountain, these eunuchs, these people that keep my covenant and hold fast my Sabbath, and they don't even have any proof in themselves that I will do it. They just know it. These people I will bring to my holy mountain. 
and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings, watch this, and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. This is the problem of the temple that Jesus went to. Because the people that were the money exchangers and the people selling pigeons and animals were telling people from afar and other nations that what they're coming to bring as a sacrifice is not going to be accepted and they need to exchange what they have for what is accepted. This don't excite y'all. It excites me. Because it unravels some of the misconceptions Satan lets you have about God which then feeds into your barrenness. He'd intended that if you brought a dove from way 4,000 mile journey, and on the process that dove got a broke feather, wing, something. And you would get to the scribes and the Pharisees and they say, uh-uh-uh, new doves, new doves, get your new doves here, new doves, new doves. You don't want to give God that old dove, got to give God that new dove. He's not going to accept that old dove. Come on, be righteous, be right, do right, get God a new dove. And you'd be like, I do need to give him this new dove. I mean, it was perfectly when I brought it, but now it's all banged up. I mean, <laughs> surely he doesn't want this. Now, if you brought all you had and that got messed up on the journey, and then these people are telling you, you can't give that to God and you have nothing else left. Then you have to turn around and go on back out without actually coming into prayer. So he's trying to tell the prophet Isaiah is speaking for God, trying to tell the people in the future. Let me tell you something. Whatever gets messed up on your journey to commune with me bring it to me y'all y'all don't want to help me today if it got messed up on your way trying to find me if you got a little crazy on your way seeking peace if you got a little off trying to find joy if you got a little off trying to find forgiveness just bring that to me anyway and i will not deny it bring it to me i won't deny it Bring it to me. People say to tell you, it's not good enough. Bring it to me. What you got? Well, I had intended at the top of the year that I wasn't going to do that no more. And then, and then I haven't done it yesterday, but I don't know how clean this really looks to you. Come. Bring it to me. Bring it. I ain't got nothing. My whole dove died. Come. All those who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you. Come. Prayer. A house of prayer is imperative for the sojourners. Prayer isn't about getting the physical things that you need. It's about getting 
the internal things you need, the mountains that could stop you from producing fruit. Lord, I'm on my way to church and I'm trying to have an upbeat mindset and a joyful, but I keep trying and it's just, I can't seem to come. Don't stop. Keep going. Keep going with the same plan you had. Just keep going. Believe that you received it. I know, I know. You'll have it. No, I know. Come. Prayer is not about changing your external factors as much as it is changing you as it relates to your external factors. Praying for a husband or a wife is pretty stupid since neither of you will be married to each other in eternity. And at some point, most of y'all, you're into your 30s and 40s about, maybe. So you got maybe 30 years left. 40? You think it's a lifetime, but you count out some six years. Knock, knock about 10 off of that. Knock off the time when you can't have sex no more because that's pretty much why you want to have me do that. That's about 20. Knock them off right off the top right there. Them last 20, those don't count. <laughs> so really you got to 30, 40, 50s, 60-ish. With modern medicine, maybe. And the whole gamut is that you could serve one person fully, not be served. It's about you serving somebody. Now, it's real easy for me to determine when people are ready to get married based of how faithful they are in serving God. If you can't serve a perfect God, if you can't serve a perfectly loving God, as soon as this person does something that does not give you what you need, give you what you deserve, give you what you want, your entire relationship is on the fritz. You can't avoid that. Um, I think I was gonna say something to make it not be. No, <laughs> it will always be. Any minute, you know, we're gonna get divorced. Any minute, I'm, I'm gonna leave you. Every, every, it's always up in the air. Because everybody knows this stuff is temporary. Pastor, tell us the secret so that I don't ever have to happen. <laughs> the secret is it will happen. Often. Often. But if you're in Christian, you got married, you say, but I committed under the eyes of God to work through this. Now everybody that ain't married going, I committed to work through this. I, I did. Mm. But he's, I thought if I gave him what he needed, that he'd give me what. I could change her, Pastor. <laughs> is it my house supposed to be called a house of prayer people were supposed to come in the sacrifices 
wasn't the stuff I wanted. It was just the stuff you needed to do to make you feel like you had acceptance. But you could have acceptance without doing The woman with the issue of blood got it. The, the, the eunuchs, they got it. You could have had it without any of that, but you need something to help verify in your mind that the Lord loves you. But ultimately, the plan was not to come to the house of God for the sacrifice. Y'all don't want to help me today. You thought going to the temple was for the sacrifice so you could feel clean and go back out and live your life. That's why you do church the way you do it. The purpose of the temple was I could make my sacrifices, I could be right with God, and I can go out and live my life, morally speaking, very well, and then have God on my side. The purpose of the sacrifice was that you would feel comfortable in his presence to know him, to sit with him, not to get what you need to go live your best life. Give me what I need for my vision board. Oh, I'm breaking up all kinds of stuff today. Some of y'all just want me to be wrong. She got to be, I'm gonna find something. I'm gonna, I'm gonna find it. I can't, cause she's talking right now, but when I leave, I'm gonna find it. <laughs> Give me what I need to make my life. But see, Pastor, what I wanna do is see, see you understand. I want my life to be what God wants my life to be. And so I'm coming that he might make my life more what he wants it to be. So if he say he don't want none of that for you, you gonna be okay with that? Why would he say he wouldn't want that for me? Why would God, a loving God, not want me to have? Why would a loving God not want me to be married? Why would a loving God not want me to have more money? Why would a loving God not want me? Ooh, but I thought you said it was about whatever he wanted. It's not. It's about whatever he wants, as long as you also agree that that is a good thing that he wants for you. And faith without the will of God is fantasy. So look at you chasing your fantasies and can't understand why you're addicted <laughs> to porn. Can't understand it. Can't understand why you go after the wrong types of people. Can't understand it. Can't understand why you're so impatient. But if you were seeking a fantasy, wouldn't you chase it down? And curse be anybody that got in your way. At some point, you're going to have to tear down the image of God that you made. At some point, you're going to have to let that go. He don't want everything you want. But he said, believe in your heart that you receive it. Watch this. When you go to him in prayer, the context is prayer, not desire. The context is prayer, not desire. When you go to him in prayer, a communication about him. 
it's, it's, it's a communication about him. I'm requesting him. I want more of him. I need to understand him. The supplications are about him. The petitions are about him. Mm. You don't, you don't, you don't. But Pastor, the Lord's Prayer, let's go to it, and then I'll let you go home. Prayer is the thing that is lacking because prayer is what transforms your insides. Y'all go and submit stuff in prayer, like I say, like leave it on somebody's voicemail. I say, did you pray about it? Yeah, I prayed about it. And I could say, it didn't didn't work. (laughs) If you come back to me in a tizzy, come to me first in a tizzy. Then I said, go pray. And you come back in a tizzy. You did not pray. You didn't pray. You left something on God's voicemail. You made a request. And then you left. I need to be more like this and I need you to do this because I just feel really angry and I need you to help me with my anger. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Just dump that up there, huh? Send my text. Is they delivered? <laughs> I know you hear me. Amen. In prayer, there's a conversation about God, and in this case, in the example related to your anger. God, how do you feel? God, is there ever a time when it's okay? God, like sometimes even you. (sighs) All righty then. When you start with him, you decrease. When you start with you, you increase. And the same is true in prayer you go to prayer and you come out more egocentric than you did when you went in you started with what you wanted with how important it was to you how necessary it was to your survival i'm not gonna keep going i gotta gotta let y'all go home all right the lord's prayer matthew chapter six our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive, have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is how Jesus tells us to pray. Now what does it say right there? I want to prove to you that even this prayer is the basics of getting to your core. It's the basics of getting to your core. Like all of prayer is about your, your core self, like a trunk of a tree, connecting to him. That's the whole, this has to connect. Has to connect. If you don't feel connected like that doggone movie where they have, and, and, and the people's blue, and the, if you don't feel that, you ain't praying. 
If you don't feel like you are in one with the doggone beast that you flying, oh, you was. It's the Avatar movie. If you went through a whole bunch of praying and did not feel connected, you did not pray. If you went to prayer and did not feel God, you did not pray. Fig trees don't have to be taught how to grow figs. Just because you ain't got the right words, that don't matter. You should still feel connected. So you only feel connected if you can really put it into words. Mommies don't need to know a dictionary of the baby's cry to know what the cry means. A groan, an utterance that nobody could really say what it is, but the Father in heaven knows because you're connected. I didn't even say nothing, I just, mm. and I knew he knew. And from that point, we discussed. From that point, we started our conversation. Some of the darkest days I've ever had was when I couldn't pray. I couldn't pray because mommy was with God and I didn't like thinking about it. And I said, Lord, be with me externally because I can't close my eyes and feel that connection because it's too painful. I said, I know you love me and I'm glad you're here with me to help me through this. And you know I love you, but every time I, show, every time I go for that connection, I know you and I know where she is with you and it the mountain is too big. Very few times that happens. And in those times, you beg for mercy and grace. Knowing that one day this has to lift because I know my father wants to heal me. The whole point was that we could be in communication together. He's not going to let this stay. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This starts off with him, right? You're in heaven. You're holy. That is you. You're my Father. Your kingdom come. That's the plan. The whole plan. The whole shebang. Your will be done. That's the whole motive. That's everything. So the Glenda asked me, Pastor, how do you know when a person was, how do you know a person is mature? How do you know when you're mature? I said, when you can do the will of God. Fruit off of your tree is fulfilling the will of God. This is hard because you don't know the will because your will is so loud. But prayer is designed that you go to him, you start with him, and all of you, shh, you turn down, not turn up. Turn down, and more of him comes into focus. That's the point. He says, uh, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Got it. That's the whole plan. This is why I'm here. I want to know my purpose for God, that you would do the will of God, that his kingdom would be on earth as it is in heaven. What does that look like? You'll see. You'll see. Asked the Lord about marriage recently because it looked like it's real far off. And I wanted to say, Lord, please let me get married. Then when I said, Lord, please let me marry the right person. Then when I said, Lord, please, 
I, I don't even know if I should. I, I, this is above me. Do you know what is best? You do know what is best for me. Listen, let's just cut to the chase. How about I thank you that you will do what is best for me? That's it. Because I am tired of trying anybody. Hello? I'm trying to show, I'm giving you a real life example about how you arrive at peace in prayer. I'm tired of trying to figure out whether this is for me. Y'all don't want to help me. I'm tired of going around the mountain to try to determine if this is your will or this is your will or this is your will. I'm just tired of trying to figure all that out. Yeah, I almost tripped. I, so I mean, it's, it's wasting too much time, effort, and energy. So how about... You know what's best. You do it. Like everything else you've done in my life, I just showed up and I just so happened to be in his will. No, I'm serious. When the Petersons got their ticket problem with the passport, people was like, Pastor, you was praying? I said, of course I was praying. But did I hear the Lord say, do this? No, I was just connected. And whatever it was I was going to do was going to work. I knew his will. He didn't have to tell me what to do, per se. But whatever I did, in Jesus' name, it was going to work. The first phone call wasn't even to the right person. They sent us to another person. And they sent us to another person. And they sent us to the right person. Had nothing to do with me hearing exactly what God wanted me to do, but knowing his heart and his will. And that's it. So I said, oh, we got to try something else. I don't know what. We got to keep trying everything we can try. Let's try everything we can try because God wills for this thing to happen. And boop, the last thing we tried was the thing that worked when everybody else gave up hope. I'm trying to give you the secret that you've been asking for. It's not always in him declaring for you to do something. It's in you knowing whether you are in his will or not. And not being his in his will in any area of your life is very dangerous to your fruitfulness. You can't afford it. Some of y'all too old. Then heck, no fruit all these years. Then been at renew about eight, nine years, still struggling. What you need to do is on everything be in his will. On everything be in his will. On every little thing. Because I had too many years of not having fruit. All right. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All right. So that's pretty much everything. This tells you the whole mysteries of life. He's God. He's holy. He's your father. You want his kingdom here because that's what he wants. You want everything about what he wants done. That's your calling. That's married. That's single. That's new job. That's new career. That's going back to school. That's buying the car, buying the house, renting. That's everything, baby. Wrapped up in one little prayer. And he says, give us this day our daily bread. Stop right there. This phrase would have you believe that he wants you to pray about bread. Like basic necessities. You have to make sure you ask God that because he, he is the sustainer of everything that you need. So you have to ask God, Lord, give us things that we need like physically 
on earth every day because you're the one that we go to for that. Back up for a little bit. Go to verse 8. Do not be like them. This is the Pharisees and the Sadducees. For your father knows what you have need of before you ask him. So pray like this. Is he, is he telling you to pray about bread? Because when he, this verse just said, he already knows what you have need of. Now, truly, this verse says, give us this day our daily bread. But in proper translation, it's give us this day our bread for tomorrow. Most all scholars agree that that is properly give us this day our bread for tomorrow. I have a hard time believing that this is about sustenance. Because anytime God is dishing out sustenance like bread, is he give you the bread for the day for that day? And that's it. Well, you get it tomorrow, you wait till tomorrow. You get it. <laughs> You get what he, that's the way the manna went. You get today. Don't save it. Eat that and be good. No, no, tomorrow. He's going to give you tomorrow. And every any point, you need to say, what you need to do at night before you go to bed, you need to make sure that you ask the Lord that he provides for you for tomorrow. No. Other verses say he knows you have need of. You don't have to ask lilies of the field. No, 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 no. Just seek ye first the kingdom of God. All these things will be added to you. This prayer is reflective of that because he's not telling you to pray for bread and sustenance and your physical needs. He's telling you to pray for the bread that is to come tomorrow. The kingdom, look in context. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's something about tomorrow that we're asking for a bit of it today. Y'all don't want to help me. There's a manna for tomorrow that I'm asking bread of heaven bread of heaven feed me till i'm asking for a little taste of a fig i'm asking for a little bread right now i need heaven up there to come and satisfy me today yeah. give us this our bread this day our bread for tomorrow and forgive us our debts can't be talking about real bread because it's and forgive us our trespasses. I need the power of heaven that moves mountains out of my soul. Look at this. It's more plausible that this prayer is about something on your inside that needs to be solidified more than it is about some outside thing that you need to request. Because the next verse, and forgive us our trespasses. Do you know what it's like to have sin in your heart and to feel that that mountain is stopping you from communicating with God? Just give me a bit of the promise of salvation that is to come. Give me that tomorrow bread. Can you give me a little bit of that today right now? I need tomorrow's salvation. What you promised in eternity. Can you bring down the bread from heaven and give me a little taste right now? I need to feel that this mountain is moved. I need to feel that I'm growing some figs. I need to feel a little bit of heaven right here on earth. Y'all going to sleep right when I'm trying to give 
It's my fault. I preached too slow. I'm sorry. The thing that you need is the thing that you are going to fall asleep to get. (laughs) Told you prayer was boring. He's trying to say, our tomorrow bread, we know what you promised us tomorrow. We need a bit of that today. Forgive us our trespasses. Forgive us. We know that you on judgment day, you'll forgive us of everything. Can we get a little taste of that right now? Can I have today a little bit of tomorrow's bread? I need it for my soul. I need it for my communion. I need it for my day-to-day life. I need it for my joy. I need it for my rest. I need it for my peace. I need a bit of what's tomorrow to help me through today. I know it's going to be all right tomorrow, but I need some help today. The Lord's prayer is showing you that. That's supposed to be something you recite. He says, pray like this. Pray with an understanding of who God is. Then pray about what this is all about. Then pray that he will help you in the what about now phase. Where transgressions try to distance you from the love of God. Where sins try to distance you from his presence. Where offense pushes you back. He says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who what? Trespass against us. And also lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Look at verse 14. For if you forgive others their trespasses, did you know there was more? Your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Watch. This cannot be about regular bread and provisions for the day. It can't be about day-to-day functions and my job, my kids, my la 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 la. Can't be about the church and ministry and when I'm gonna preach, la 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 la. This has got to be something at a core level because he keeps talking about forgiveness of your sins and the forgiveness of other sins. How much of your life is made miserable because of other people? Now let's talk about it. You got regular problems, right? But how many of problems are people? People that said something wrong, did something wrong, didn't do, did do, shouldn't have done. How, how much of it, seriously, if you look at all the problems you have in life, how much of those pains and problems really come at a root level from what somebody has done or did not do in your life? It's a lot, isn't it? So wouldn't the God who was about fruitfulness make sure at a core level you master how to move mountains? Y'all don't want to help me. You've got to master how to move mountains of offense, mountains of unforgiveness. You've got to master how to move the things that stop you from being fruitful, how to remove the offense, how to move the bitterness, how to move the unforgiveness. You've got to master that, baby. 
in prayer. In prayer. The people that rejected you, you've got to move that mountain by faith. Believe that you receive it and you shall have it. Whatsoever you believe you receive, believe it and you'll have it. That's what he's talking about. Believe that you say, God, help me forgive. I need the same forgiveness you gave me. I need you to give it to them. Forgiveness. is hard. A true forgiveness. Now, we all got that level of, I mean, I forgive you. We all got that level of, I forgive you because it's right that I forgive you. No, we do. Everybody got that little bit, just that little bit. Maybe not for everybody, but you own it, right? I forgive you because it's right to forgive you. There's a, a level of forgiveness that he's talking about here that says, I forgive you just because. Just because I love you. What? What? Like you shot somebody in my family and I forgive you because I love you. The type of forgiveness that God gave us is because while we were yet sinners, Christ died. When he talks about forgiveness, he's not talking about at a surface level where you just say, oh, okay, I don't want nothing bad to happen to you. He's saying, I want you to forgive them like it's somebody you actually loved. You know how hard it is for a mom or a dad not to forgive their actual child even no matter how much pain their actual child caused them. They want to be unforgiving, but on a deeper level. They're like, I just, yeah, my baby, I mean, I just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm gonna look crazy, but come, come on back home, come on, do what? <laughs> Anybody know that type of love? Where you've done some of the worst stuff, but my love for you, I just, let's just, let's just wash it, let's, Let's move on. Let's move forward in life. That's the kind of forgiveness he's talking about. And not just you go your way, I go my way. Like, let's continue. <laughs> if God is willing to move in the same direction together, knowing that you have not changed. You're still going to do the same stuff you've always done. And I know it. And I forgive you. That's the kind of forgiveness God is talking about. What kind of forgiveness are you talking about? Not the same. Forgiving people truly is virtually impossible on merit. Like just to forgive somebody because it's right is virtually impossible. You know that. You've tried it. And somehow it always shows that that you really didn't forgive them. <laughs> somehow it always shows up, maybe with somebody else, that you never really let that other thing go. So when you say, I forgive you because I'm supposed to forgive you, it don't work. It, 
doesn't. And this prayer, and the reason why he's focused so much on the trespasses of others and the trespasses of yours is because he knows this is the hindrance of fruitfulness. Why? Because fruitfulness is doing the will of the Father. And it is hard to do the will of the Father when you're angry at everybody else for what they did to you. It's hard to be fruitful when you're angry at so many people. It's hard to be fruitful when you're angry at God. Hard to be fruitful when you're angry at loved ones. Hard to be fruitful. You can't do the will of God. You can only do the will of self. So he says, this is the thing you've got to learn to move that seems impossible. I always have this in my heart somewhere. Be thou removed. I'll always struggle with this. That's not faith. It's not faith. You don't know what they did to me. No. But no mountain is too high. Says, this is the thing you got to move. This is the thing that's stopping all fruitfulness. Loving, forgiving someone just because it's right is impossible. Forgiving them because you have been forgiven is very possible. The reason why you carry so much bitterness is because your forgiveness is based off of the merit you think you've earned to be forgiven. And so you can't forgive them until they learn or do better. Because that's the same standard you have for yourself. But if you come and sit with me, ain't that right, Sister Briera? I will tell you, you're going to have to forgive yourself and receive God's forgiveness. You can't receive God's forgiveness. You can't receive God's forgiveness until you feel that you've gotten that out of your life. But he says, come. I can't, I can't let myself have the peace of God that I really kind of need at this point until, he's, until I really feel like I'm, I'm not going to do it again. Then I can receive his peace. But he says, come anyway, because you trying to do that is not going to happen. But what you do need is this that I have, and that will help you to do the other stuff. Does you receive your forgiveness from God? Now, this is the conversation. This is what prayer says. Prayer says that when you go to the Father, he says, first, go, he first he said, go in secret. And then he says, but when you do stand and pray, make sure you forgive others. Like when you really feel like, okay, I'm ready to do what God wants me to do, he said, now make sure there's forgiveness for every person in your heart. Every person. Those unchanged, those that know it, those that don't know it. Those that are doing it again and still doing it. Get forgiveness. That's impossible to do. Because it's right. You can only do that when you've received your forgiveness. Let me show you how it works. I'll use myself as an example. All right? Unless you want me to use you. Okay, I'll use use me. There are times when people do some of the most dirtiest things to me. You would think that I'm I'm immune to that because I'm the pastor. 
I am, it is more likely. Because all manner of evil are launched. And there are times where we so mean, so heartless, that I just be like, God, just, oh, who could do that to something? I'm human. I'm still, oh, I cry about that. And if his heart breaks, if my heart breaks, we're all just broken. When that's done, I go in prayer. I know what's on my heart, but I'm, mm-mm. We ain't going to get to that yet. Let's first start off with the preliminaries. <laughs> Dear Lord Jesus, holy one of something. <laughs> right? Then you go through everybody else in your prayer list and everything else, and then is this, you hear that person's name, right? Bling, bling. So pray. Pray. Bless. <laughs> bless. 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 Bless them. Bless them. Now, that's not prayer. Because a real friend that hears you mumble something, a real friend that's having a conversation with you, a real friend, not an acquaintance, a real friend that's talking with you, when they hear you jump over something, they're going to always ask, hey, 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 what's what's that? They're not going to let it go. A real friend won't let it go. I don't want to talk about it. Nah, nah, you need to talk about it. I don't want Why can't you let me? I'm not going to let you be. You always want to. You always do that. You always try to pull back when I try to pull. A real friend, I'm not going to let you do A real friend won't. They won't let you hide. They won't let you cover it up. Friends that are about tired of you, they be like, all right, well, you do you. This is the sign that your friend about tired of you. <laughs> if you wanted to know Don's truth. When they be like, all right, well, you do you, babe. I can't. They say, I am so tired of you. <laughs> Maybe I can't be your friend. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe I'm not the one called to be your friend. And they start putting Jesus in. Maybe I'm not called to be your friend. <laughs> like, you're so hard. You need a called friend. <laughs> so I need a special ministry to be your friend. <laughs> so a real friend like Christ in a real prayer conversation the conversation amongst friends that love each other deeply. It's not a voicemail or a text of an acquaintance where you get all your feelings out. Well, I'm just going to tell you how I really feel and then send it. Somebody else. And he says, hey, 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 hey. Don't do that. What's that? Well, you know what it is. It's this person and then and I, and all I was trying to do, I was just trying to help. And then they said, and I didn't even know. And then and it was just, this is not right. It's just evil. And this is what he say. Yeah, it was. I know, right? It was, it was real bad. And I just feel like it was just so terrible. I know, baby. I know. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry they did that to you. And I, I know. Like, I know you know because people do that stuff to you all the time, don't they? They do that. They do that. I mean, we do that. I mean, we we, we, we. <laughs> then it goes into the next phase of my prayer. We, we. I have done this. I have done something like this. I have done these things before to other people in other ways. And you forgave me. You treat me like it never even happened. Give me blessings and grace and mercy, and we just keep ticking, and everybody thinks I'm a pretty decent person because you forgave me. <sighs> I mean, I could see how they did it. 
I mean, because when I did it, that's, a, that's the third phase. Huh? Empathy. See, when I did it, I, I know what in me, because sometimes it went like this and then like that. And all of a sudden, this person that was your enemy becomes more like you than you ever would have imagined. And when you get in their seat, you want mercy. Because if I was in a situation, man, I can only imagine what they're going through. Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, I had a lot, but when you look at that, that, I mean, golly, their whole life, that's all they ever had. I mean, God, I can't even imagine that. You know what, God, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. Then you just start apologizing. <laughs> I even do nothing wrong, but no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I had in my heart toward that person. I can't imagine what that's like. All of a sudden, you start feeling empathy for the person that treated you like crap. This happens only in prayer in a conversation about that offense and that trespass and how it resembles your trespasses and your offenses and how you could bear witness to how you did it and what if that's the same kind of reasoning they had for when they did they dirt and to be honest you about feel sorry for yourself when you did your dirt you're like, I mean, I didn't mean to. What else was I supposed to do? You like, you like, you the victim. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Like I was born like this, and my whole family, I ain't never had. Like you could so relate to why you messed up that you know that Jesus is feeling bad for you, and he probably is. No, he's like, I know, baby, you had a rough life, but I'm here to set you free. He did and set you free. And now you have the audacity when somebody else had this kind of rough, rough time in their whole life. And they start acting out in ways that they can't control or could control but can't change. And it ends up affecting you that you've been so good and wonderful that you can't see how you too have been that person. And you're going to withhold forgiveness? Every single time somebody offends me, I think about how I did something like that. And how in my heart, I, I really didn't want to be like that. I really don't want to do that. And I think about the times when I didn't care, but then I cared. So like even if that person meant to do it, there was times I didn't care. And I was doing wrong, and then I cared. And, oh, and I was bad, guilty about the fact that I didn't care those times. So even if you try to make the person the evilest person known to mankind, you too can relate to that. Yeah. To you being just as evil yeah. and just as wrong. Yeah. And instantly, a mountain starts to shift. And when you see that person or anybody like that person, you didn't even know you received what you received, but out of love, you just keep doing. And out of love, you just keep serving. And you're not keeping a tally. You're not counting a record. You're just like, what? Man, man, we all been there. And if anything, I just want you to not feel so bad. So we can move on. That kind of forgiveness is what you're called to do. And that's the only way you can be fruitful in his kingdom. So until you master this, your tree will be barren, standing all over the house. 